something new that I learned, which I don't think I've mentioned in this class, um, which just adds, it's another layer that, that goes into, you just mentioned brachos, that's why I thought of it, um, that goes into brachos and how they fit into this pattern of building the foundation, and then the next layer was the Pesuket de Zimra, now we're in Shema, and I think we kind of almost said this, but maybe haven't exactly said this, which is that at, you know, using that big table that's gotten up to nine or 12 or however many columns, that when we say brachos, we are acting on the world, because that's like the human body, using our prayer and our words in the context of the world of Asiya. Meaning we're acting on the world as it's expressed, we're using the world of Asiya, but we're also sort of speaking the language of the world of Asiya, and we're relating to it as Asiya. Mm -hmm. And same thing with Psuke de Zimra, we're relating to the world at the level of, or the con and the context of Yitzira. Mm -hmm. And in Shema, at the level of and the context of Bria, which is why we use the intellect, because that is a tool that interacts with the world at that level. And since a bracha is the purpose is to create a bond or to illuminate the pipeline between the higher worlds and the lower ones, that Hashem's shefa, Hashem's influence, his bracha, uh, comes from the source, the brecha, the pool or the reservoir, right, at his will, and then comes down through these levels of atzilus, bria, yitzira, to asiya. So how does the formula of the bracha itself illuminate that? So we taught, we spent a lot of time talking about it, but just an interesting point is that the Arizal says that's why a bracha is formulated as it is. Baruch, Hashem is the source of all bracha. Ato, Hashem. You, Hashem. And you is facing directly. That was, that's the second person. That's atzilus. That's nearness. That's at the Kisei HaKavad. Hashem, who is the, the infinite creator. Elokeinu. Our Lord, that's the world of Berea. In other words, we're tracing actually that there was this reservoir, there's this bracha at the source, coming through Ata Hashem, and then Elokeinu, Elokeinu as in Bereshis bara Elokim. In the beginning, Bereshis, there's the word bara, bara Hashem created Elokim, and the term used is Elokim because originally with Midas Hadin, that's the world of Berea. Uh, Hashem, Elokeinu, Melech HaOlam, Melech HaOlam, King of the Universe, that corresponds to Olam HaYetzira, because as King of the world, that means he is involved in ruling and running the world on a daily, ongoing basis. That's Hashkacha Pratis, personal supervision. That's Yetzira, that's where Mazel sits, that's where we, the direct sort of uh, moving the pieces around on the board down here is we, where we see that happening from. Um, and then the end of the bracha, after ha'olam, then expresses the embodiment of whatever that shefa is in this world of Asiya. So either that he creates the fruits of the tree or the mitzvah that we're going to do. So that's this idea that we want, that we're asking that God's blessing be fulfilled through us, that we should be the tools, we should be zoha to be the tools of expressing his ratzon. Anyway, this is a, it's a beautiful way of understanding the flow of every bracha, that you can, you can trace it through the bracha. You can trigger that <coughs> through the words of the bracha, 
as a reminder that really what we're trying to do is trace this thing where it came from. Trace the connection. Trace the connection down from the source to the embodiment. That's, that's what a bracha does. That's the, uh, every cell says that. So it's, it's so completely consistent with everything we said. It might not sound like a new point, but, <laughs> but it is. <laughs> it's a nice, yeah. Okay, so last week, last week we were speaking about, perhaps not surprisingly, because we are working in the context of the intellect, which is seichel, the, the intellect, or machshava, of thought, um, which is the world of Bereshis, of creation. And we spoke about the importance of of realizing that we are, in fact, in the context of the bridge, the transition from the first section of Shema to this, the second section, understanding that one flows from the next. One of the ways is that through Kabbalah Salmachus Shamayim, we then, that's on the Machshava level. And then that leads us to Kabbalah's Ol Mitzvos, which then is performed at the Maisa level. So that's the implementation of the Kabbalah's Ol Machos has to turn into the, the willingness to also do what he says. I think we spoke about, I'm not sure. I know we did a little, just wondering if we finished the idea that the mitzvahs are to live by. So in the first paragraph of Shema, there's a little bit more direction on be willing to die for Hashem. The second paragraph of Shema is you, you have to accept upon yourself to live by the mitzvahs, to live for Hashem. that in Machshava we can strive for perfection. We know we won't achieve that in our actions. Nonetheless, they will become more perfected. Let's talk about this in terms of perhaps we can't, we can't achieve greatness, but we can achieve greaterness, right? I think we talked about that once a long time ago. Aim, aiming, our actions will become improved because yes, in our minds we really are striving for perfection and we can achieve it, and it's real. But in our deeds, we should expect there to be a certain degree of failure. That's not a sign that we failed. It's only a sign that we are human, and part of the human state, and part of the physical and finite state is a certain amount of flaw. This corresponds to something we just hinted to. Bereshis bara Elohim, the Medrash says, it doesn't say bara Hashem. It doesn't say bereshis bara Hashem, which you would expect, yud ke which is the creator. <laughs> that would be like perhaps expected. But rather bereshis bara Elohim. That in the beginning, at, the, at first, it it came up in God's thinking to create the world, so to speak, to create the world with Midas Adin. And when he saw that it couldn't stand under the Midas Adin alone, 
he partnered with it, Midas HaRachamim. This is something I'm sure you've heard before, and that's referenced with the idea that Shamayim and Aretz were created. On the day Hashem created Eretz and Shamayim. That in order for the, the Eretz especially to be able to live, it has, these things have to be bonded together. And this, I suppose, is expressed within us through this combination of the Maisa and the Machshava and the soul and the goof, you know, the higher levels, the, which are the soul and the intellect connected to the emotion and the body. That this is an expression of that creation that God created the world to have to join those two things together because you're not, you can't achieve the perfection otherwise through the physical. We might have a question about the link from the first paragraph. And it's not even, not necessarily even the first and the second. The, the second paragraph of Shema makes clear. <laughs> it will be that if you shall surely listen to my mitzvos, which I am uh, commanding to you today, in order that you will love Hashem your God and serve Him with all your soul, and then the details. And the details doesn't doesn't sound like how's that like like that's the love part so much. It sounds more like let's say fear or awe, right? Like oh well, if you don't do if you do the right thing, great, and if you don't do the right thing, it's really bad. The situation will be bad. So that doesn't sound so much like the love, or let's say attachment. That sounds like something you'd more run away from. So there's a book called The Sitter Speaks to Us. And I, he quotes the Beis Halevi, who likens it to a drowning person. He says, on the one hand, when we know that Hashem sustains the whole world in all ways, each and every minute, we feel loved and we respond by feeling love. But at the same time, there's the flip side of that, which is kind of what our question is now, which is, gee whiz, if we know that Hashem sustains the world every minute and every hour in all ways, then at some point we, we have to face the fact that he could take that away. And that might not inspire a feeling of tremendous being cared for and love. That inspires fear. So he compares it to a drowning person who's reached by a rescuer who holds his hand and swims towards shore, and swims towards shore. The drowning person is thankful for being rescued, but the entire time he's also terrified that the rescuer might let go of his hand, and then he'll drown. So on the one hand, he's grateful, and on the other hand, there is an, the, the gratitude itself, the, the care and support itself, engenders a fear of losing it. So part of the avoda 
in, that is described here in the second paragraph of Shema is that we can develop our personalities, we can develop our relationship with Hashem to reach v'yached levavenu, which is part of the brachos of Shema, v'yached levavenu, unify our hearts, l'ahava uliyira eshemacha, to love and fear your name. That's not a bad situation. That's, that's an understandable and perhaps something to even aspire to. Because what it reflects, the fear of being let go reflects an awareness of being held. I think we could compare that to something we spoke about one year around Rosh Hashanah time, which is in the days of judgment, the yamim no ra'im, days of, of awe and fear. What are, we, what, are we supposed to, what are we scared of? Are we scared of who by fire and who by sword and maybe, right? But really what we should be scared of is Hashem saying, no, I don't need you anymore. Right? When the relationship is a relationship of love, then the fear is the fear of God saying, I don't need you anymore. So that is a fear born of love. Meaning, I love you so much, I want to be close to you. The biggest terror I would have is of you saying, never mind. That, that's terrifying. But it's only terrifying to the extent that the, that the clinging and the love is there. Rav Hirsch, in discussing the avoda of Shema in Chorev, says, you have dedicated yourself to the service of the creator of the bearers of light, the elector and redeemer of Israel. He is there in summarizing the brachos before Shema, Yotzer HaMeoros, he created the luminaries, Bocher Israel. he's chosen the Jewish people, Gal Yisrael, and he redeems the Jewish people. With such recognition and resolve should you approach God, who being omnipresent surrounds you, Echad, as well as every being of his creation. Place your own future and that of your people and your own past into his hand. Which is a very interesting statement, that added bit there about your own past, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> I suppose Vihaya is both our future and our past, describes both. Um, he's certainly speaking also very much. Rav Hirsch is talking to the individual, so he's interpreting it here as well, you know, as, I don't know, I don't want to go too far in interpreting what Rav Hirsch might have meant, but it's very, it leaves open a lot of room for speculation and contemplation. Place your own future and that of your people and your own past into his hand in order to receive it newly sanctified from him. The dedication of our lives to Hashem and of our actions and of our hearts and of our souls and of our efforts and our means and our money in, receives back in, in response sanctification of those things. Those things become holy. Because they've been dedicated, they become consecrated. The next, or perhaps in line with this, is a sifri that Rashi brings. Ramban also builds upon it. 
um, when the verse here says, Let, if you will listen to, the, to my mitzvot, which I command you today, to love Hashem your God and to serve Him with all your heart. So Rashi is saying, what does it mean to do mitzvot to love God? Or for the love of God, perhaps. And, and according to the way he'll translate it, I explain it. You can say you should do mitzvot for the, for the love of God. Which creates, again, more of a transition from the last paragraph. So Rashi says, Shalot Omar, you, you shouldn't say, Hareani lomeid bishvil she'eye ashir. I'm going to learn, I'm going to, I'm going to learn a lot of Torah. I'm going to do a lot so that I'll be rich. Bishvil she'ekra rav. Or that I'll be called rav. Or that, you, you know, the story of Elisha Benavuya, right? This is his father saw the rabbanim and the fire was sparking over their heads. He said, I want my son to be like that, which sounds so good. But it was a fatal flaw at the root of, right, at the source of the development of this child. Okay, so you should not say, I am learning in order to be rich, in order to be called rabbi, in order that I will get sachar, reward. I don't think it means here a paycheck. <laughs> Saying that in order that God will reward me. I want to have a good olam haba, therefore I will learn a lot of Torah. Ella, but rather, komashitasu. Everything that you do, asume ava, do it through love. Do it from love. Whatever you're going to do, do it because you love Hashem. In the end, the honor will come. Not sure which end he's talking about. doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. It's an interesting statement. It's interesting, meaning why, why do you even add it, you know? But in the end, the honor will come. So stop worrying about that. Maybe that's why. Maybe if you just know, you, you don't have to worry about it. And you might need to know that at the beginning in order to have the nerve to let go of the, of the interim markers of success. For some people, that is very, very difficult. Meaning they could be, I was talking to somebody recently, and it's a person who's a Yerushalayim and, and always strives to do things for the right reasons. And even so, I heard a certain amount of Baruch Hashem, I've seen success in this project and in that, you know, the good projects to help other people to, for the sake of Torah, not, you know. And I wanted to say, but didn't feel I could say, what if you weren't successful? What if they didn't go well? Who says that the fact that the project was successful is proof that it was God's will that you should do it? I mean, it's proof that it was will that it should come out that way. That's nice. But that doesn't mean that your decisions were right or that your, that your motivations were 100% pure. I'm not, I'm not saying that they weren't. What I'm saying is there's a flaw in the reasoning where you define your success by the external markers. We do have to learn how to define our success by markers other than money, or kavod, or titles. Even holy money, or holy titles, or holy honor. You know, even if the honor is because I represent Torah, or because, it doesn't matter. We really need to be able to redefine, and it's, that's a lifelong process. 
of constantly seeking to refine our definitions of success and refine our motivations and be able to say, you know what? What is my real motivation here? It's not perfect. Can it be more perfect? Because that, my motivation, that could be perfect. Mm -hmm. That's in my mind. This is the avoda of Shema. The avoda of Shema is to work with our mind, even at the level of the, of the action and the mitzvah, that the mind, we should, we should aim to achieve perfection with that. We should aim to be able to say, well, okay, really, probably, I want to do this because people will respect it. If so, what do I aspire to be my motivation? Okay, maybe just by recognizing it, I can make the shift. Sometimes that happens. And sometimes by recognizing it, I can say, Rebona Shalom, help me achieve that more greater purity of motivation. It starts for sure with a great deal of, of honesty about what's going on inside yourself, which could be that that's a little bit hinted to by saying to love Hashem your God, that everything, as Rashi says, you should make your motivations be only love, not for any of the external benefits. When, when I say external benefits, it makes it sound so crass that, oh, obviously I would never aspire that way. But it's not true. Because the minute we turn around and we point to these things as signs of success, where really they only happened because Hashem caused them to happen. So they're not indicative. We, we can all think of people who were doing things that were really, really good, and it didn't apparently seem to be successful. It didn't thrive. It didn't gain more and more... Uh, students. It didn't become a self-sustaining program. It didn't have enough funding. It didn't. We can all think of things that were really worthwhile, and you can't say that because of that those people had lower motivation, <laughs> the more uh, personal gain that they were looking for than the people whose programs have succeeded. Yeah, sometimes, you know, sometimes an impact on a single person is all that's. That's really right, and necessary. you may not ever know that that's yeah. what happened. So our definitions are not right. So what we're striving to do is to love Hashem and through the love come to act in such a way that we believe he wants us to act. Whether or not it's successful is not really in our hands. He's the driver, not us. And I wonder if that's a little bit hinted to Ula Avdo. To love Hashem, your God, right? Do the mitzvos, keep the mitzvos for love of him, and in order to achieve, to achieve that, you have to work on your heart and on your soul. You do have to work on that. Because the heart and the soul, that's our emotions, that's our physical. That's where the motivations probably started at. <laughs> that's probably where we are holding. And what we have to do is to raise that to the level of love, of ve'ohavta, which is, is more a work of the intellect. But it builds upon the heart and on the soul. It builds upon the heart, yeah, the heart and the soul as well. With sofa covered level. Now, I wanted to give us a little bit of context too while we're sort of starting this paragraph, but we're also transitioning, which is to understand where this paragraph of Ahayim Shamoa Tishmu sits. 
because in the Chumash, it's not the verses that immediately follow the Shema Yisrael Ve'ahavta verses. There's a space in between. So Shema Yisrael Ve'ahavta is in Parshas Ve'eschanan. And Vehaya is in Akev, which is the next parsha. And what comes right before this, now there is, I, I have to first tell you, there is a Samech, which means a closed space. So there is a gap before Vehaya im Shamoa Tishmau. So it does stand on its own. On the other hand, it starts with Vehaya, and it shall be. So it clearly also is a continuation of the previous statements. So let's go back because that will also help us to, to see what this is coming to say. The Aliyah starts, so after the previous gap, which is really just right before. Ki shama For the land that you are <coughs> approaching to inherit. Lo eretz mitzrayimhi. It is not like the land of Egypt, Asher Misham, which you came out of, Asher Tizra Ezzaracha, where you plant your seeds, Vehishkisa Viraglacha Kegan Hayarak, and you uh, you water the seeds with your feet. It's like a green garden. Okay, and this is this is a comparison we've heard before. What happens in the land of Egypt? Throw your seeds in the ground, and the river will come up and water it. Comes right up at your feet to water it. So what do you have to do? You barely have to wake up from your slumber. Roll over in bed, your stuff is irrigated. Everything's irrigated. He says, and Rashi brings, and who gets, who gets their thirst quenched, whoever's lowest, not whoever's highest. The land where you're crossing over there to inherit it, Eretz Harimuvakos. It's a different kind of land. It's a land of mountains and valleys, ups and downs, heights, highs and lows. From the rain of the heavens, you will drink your water. And this we definitely have come to before. I remember we talked about it one year, about the word Nahar, which is the river, which is Nehora in Aramaic, is light. Or, and Yeor, Yeor is the river, like the Nile is a Yeor, right? Pharaoh goes down to the Yeor. It's like the word Or, light. So it illuminates the real situation. Who once talked about that? So the land I'm bringing you to is not like the land of Egypt. In this land, you drink from the rain from the heavens. Eretz asher Hashem It's a land that Hashem is always watching for. Tomid enei Hashem Constantly, the eyes of God are upon it. From the beginning of the year and until the end of the year. This is, by the way, the source where we say that a person's, a person's parnasa is established every year at Rosh Hashanah, mm-hmm. not including what he spends on Shabbos and Yantif. So what is spent for the covet of Shabbos and Yantif does not come out of the same pocket as the rest of his 
Parnassa and is, will be filled back in because that doesn't, that doesn't come out of the Parnassa. Does that include going away for Shavuos? I don't know. You could ask a Possibly. So, it's not like the land of Egypt where I'm bringing you. That's not how you're going to live, where the water just rises at your feet. Instead, you're going to a land where the water comes from heaven, and it's a land that God is constantly watching. His eye is upon it from the beginning of the year to the end. Vehaya, and it shall be. Im shamoa tishmeu el mitzvosai asher anochi mitzav eschem hayom. That you will listen to the mitzvos which I command you today to love Hashem your God and to serve him with all your heart and all your soul. Venosati metar artsechem beito yore umalkosh. Then I will give the rain to your land each in its proper time. And you will gather in all the grain and the produce. And I will give the grass in the fields for your animals and you will eat and you will be satisfied. Be careful not to worship other gods lest the rain be turned off. So what we see is that this Vehayaim Shamoa and we kind of guessed that that's what it was telling us. I mean, it's pretty clear. But we see that what it's doing is illuminating an idea that is this idea of love. It's just that we're living, you know, the way somebody behaves in the throne room is going to be paid a lot more attention to than the way somebody behaves out in some hick town far away from the capital city. So on the one hand, it's a very comforting thing that God's eye is upon us always. On the other hand, it's much more demanding. And this is what we're told. You're not, you're leaving Egypt and you're going to this special land. And it's a lot of personal supervision. And if you listen, the rain will come. And if you don't listen, the rain won't come. Okay. The Baal HaTurim says about this flow, this context, that the land you're coming to is the land of hills and valleys and the rain comes from heaven. He says, Hashem The Torah uh, puts in proximity, the eyes of God are upon it, upon the land, to V'hayaim Shamoa, and it will be if you will listen. Lomar, to tell you, im shamoa tishma, if in fact you will listen, oz ene Hashem then Hashem will pay close attention to it. Ki kamaim haponim leponim. There's a lot of layers to what he just said here. It's a verse. Kamaim haponim leponim, kein leva adam laadam. It's a statement from Shlomo HaMelech. As water is... As water reflects a person's face, uh, as water reflects a face to a face, meaning when you look into water or you look into a mirror, you see the face reflected back at you that you show it. That's how people's hearts are. If you, show, if you raise in your heart a feeling towards somebody, even if you don't show it on your face, 
their heart will reflect that feeling back to you, naturally. And what he's saying is that this relationship is true with God. If you will listen to the mitzvot and love Hashem, then because God's eye is watching, he's looking at that reflection. He's looking at that image. And what will be reflected back is that which matches that which was on your face and in your heart. Only God doesn't express it as the way he does mitzvot. God expresses that as the way he sends rain. There's a... the Baal HaTorim. Okay. Rashi says, V'haya im shamoa tishmeu. And he's commenting on shamoa tishmeu, meaning what, what's the, if you shamoa, listen, shall listen. Or to that which is listened, you shall listen. Which is kind of more how he translates it. And he quotes a Gemara in Sukkah. Im tishma b'yoshan. If you listen to that which is old, tishma b'chadash. You will listen to that which is new. V'chein, similarly, v'haya im shak. Shachoach tishkach. There's a different verse that says, and if you will forget. Im if you begin to forget, Then in the end, you will forget it all. Let's see if I can put my finger on it quickly. I doubt it. But you never know. That's not up to me. This is the verse that he's quoting, that Rashi's quoting. It's, uh, this is the passage. Guard yourselves, lest you forget Hashem, your God, and not keep the mitzvot and the judgments and the laws which I am commanding you today, lest you eat and be satisfied and build good houses and live in them and have, and have many flocks and a lot of money and everything multiplies for you, and then your heart will become proud. This is still on the lest, lest it happen that you become wealthy, and you live in beautiful homes, and you have a lot of wealth, and your heart become lifted up, and you forget Hashem, your God, who took you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through the great and fearful desert, 
and protected you from snakes, scorpions, and serpents, and thirst in a land where there is no water, who took water out of a rock, who fed you mun in the desert, which your forefathers had never seen before. So you had no way of thinking, well, at least he could always just feed us mun. Like you didn't know that there was a solution to the problem. In order to test you and raise you up and to do good for you in the end, and lest you say in your heart, this is a line for, for the ages, Kochi ve'otsem yodi, my might and the strength of my hand, asali esachayel hazeh, have created for me all this success. V'zacharta Hashem alokecha, you need to remember Hashem your God, ki hu hanosein l'cha koach la'asoschayel. He gives you the strength to build success. Leman hokimes briso, and the purpose for which he gives you the strength to build success is in order that is in order to establish his covenant which he swore to your forefathers as new as if this day and it shall be im shachoach tishkach if you shall forget this is the mirror to shamoatishmeu listening if you shall forget Hashem your god and walk after other gods and serve them and bow down to them I testify before you this day, you will be surely destroyed. Avod tovedun. This, again, the same mirror. Like the nations which God will wipe out before you, you will be wiped out. Because lotishme'un, you didn't listen to the voice of Hashem, your God. Now, what he's saying is that in the same way that it says, if forget, you shall forget. First it said, and if you forget, or lest you forget. And then it said, if forget, you shall forget. That double, double. which is like here, you shall hear, which we have over here, which makes it triple only. It's a different kind of here. He says, that is, it starts and then continues. It builds on itself. If you listen to what was, you'll listen to what is new. If you forget at the beginning, you'll forget all of it. As it says in Megillah, this is not clear where the source is, Im tazveni yom, if you abandon me for a day, yomayim as veka, two days I'll abandon you. It's worth seeing the explanation of the Sifsei Chachamim on this Rashi. First of all, about this idea, if you listen to the old, you'll listen to the new. If you review what you have learned, if you listen to what you know from before, then you'll become even wiser. You'll, you'll understand new ideas from the old ideas. Review that which you know from before, and you'll see new insight going forward. I think we could probably take that lesson to heart or implement it by saying, sometimes we have an insight. We feel a sense of closeness. We feel that we've seen a little, you know, the corner pulled back a little bit so that we felt personally watched and protected. 
we saw how something we said in our prayers or something we said was reflected back to us using the words that we used. It's worth reviewing that. It, it, write it down. Save it somewhere. Because if you'll contemplate that which you knew before, you'll gain new insight and strength to listen going forward. Sometimes you have to look back at what you knew in order to be able to build forward, if you're stagnant especially. I'm not saying this is what Rashi was saying. I'm saying it's something that we can implement out of that. Because not being men, I don't think that what, it, what we would mostly take of this is make sure to do Hazara on what you've learned old and not only go forward, and then you'll get a more rich inter understanding of the, of the Torah that you learned. Like, that's nice, and it's true. It's true, but it's probably not the prime lesson that we're going to take away from it for ourselves. Okay, and now the Sifse Chachamim, furthermore, explains what is this idea, if you abandon me one day, two days I shall abandon you. That sounds awful. I mean, that sounds punitive, right? And what the Sifse Chachamim says, this is an idea that's brought in the Yerushalmi where there is a mushal to two people who take leave of one another equally, meaning, you know, back to back they faced each other, right? One goes, one walks a distance of a day's travel to the east, and the other walks a distance of a day's travel to the west. What do you find at the end of the day? They are two days apart from one another. Okay. So how do we then take this back to understand what Rashi just said? If you abandon me one day, I'll abandon you two days. It's the same idea of as one face is reflected to the other, as one heart reflects to the other. If we turn our backs on Hashem, then so to speak, he turns his back on us. And we find that it wasn't that, well, we had one bad day and now, okay, we'll turn back around and in one day we're back. What we find is we turned our back and we got twice as far away from him because his back was turned to us, so to speak. But that also works for the positive. If we lean in, to use the popular modern term, although it was there earlier as a user experience phrase, right? lean forward and lean back as modes of operating something. Um, if we're leaning in and we're listening, that's the Shamoa Tishmeu. If we lean in, he leans into us. We hear more. We feel more. So although he only gave this quote, abandon me one day, I'll abandon you two days, it definitely tells us also the opposite. Draw near to me one day and we'll be twice as close. Kliyakar comments. Rashi explains, if you listen to the old, you will listen to the new. He's saying what Chazal have taught us. Shesachar mitzvah mitzvah. The reward for a mitzvah is the opportunity to do another mitzvah. You merit, you know, when, when somebody does a mitzvah for us, the proper answer is tiskula mitzvot. May you merit mitzvot. It's an honor and a merit to be entrusted to do a mitzvah. To be the person who delivers God's will of food or sustenance or a smile, feeling cared for to somebody else is a tremendous, tremendous merit. 
It's a, it's a joy to be entrusted to that. So one mitzvah leads to another because the reward for a mitzvah is being trusted with war mitzvahs. Vishmia gorera shmia. Listening. At goreras means toes. Like to tow, like a tow truck. <laughs> or like a train where you hook one up and so the engine moves and then all the other cars get pulled along. Okay? The, the real, the phrase is, is mitzvah goreras mitzvah. Okay, but he, what he says is, the reward for a mitzvah is a mitzvah, which is another statement. V'shmi'a gorera shmi'a. One listening pulls along another. Meaning if you listen, that will pull along more listening. You habituate yourself to mitzvahs, that will pull along more mitzvahs. I would point out that perhaps the klayakar in saying shmi'a gorera shmi'a, which I think is his new phrasing based on an old one. He's, it's a new paraphrase. Listening brings along, in its wake, more listening. Isn't that, in fact, what we do when we say Shema? We say, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. If you listen to that, turn your ear, lean into it, and engage your mind with hearing that Hashem is one. Hashem, who created all, is one and he surrounds us, and he pours his influence to us, then, shamoa tishme'u. There will be yet more listening, and you will be able to accept upon yourself also the yoke of mitzvahs. That's me saying it, but I think it's probably fair to say that that's what the Kleyakar was trying to say. And the Shmia Goreras Shmia. I don't, I don't think I actually just innovated that. I think it's really the Kleyakar's hint. Um, it would also tend to reflect back on what we saw in that other passage, which was first it was just Pentishkach, you should forget, in the singular, followed by a double. It's one listening pulling along with it, the second one. So the, tish, the first Shamoa is the Shema of Shema Yisrael Hashem Elkeinu Hashem Echad. And that engenders tishme'u, the going forward. Okay. Now, the truth is, on Shabbos, I brought this tzidkas atzadik. I cheated. Because <laughs> it was really <laughs> supposed to be for this session. I'm going to say it now anyway, um, partly because I have added notes relevant to this section, which is not what I brought up, which is not what I brought up on Shabbos. Um, and also because it'll be the bridge to where we get to next. This is Tzidka Satzadik. This is Rav Cohen, And to some extent, he's also answering the question of We've asked the question, and we'll, we'll have more on it as we get to the individual words, how come the first part of Shema is speaking to the individual, and the second, this second paragraph is speaking to the community? What he also addresses here is, how come then, when you're speaking in the plural to the community, you occasionally fall back on the language of the individual? Meaning, it should be all or all the other. It should be all one or all the other. So we have over here loving Hashem with all of you, your plural hearts and all of your plural souls. 
and I'm commanding you, plural, the mitzvos, to love Hashem, your plural, God, and then you, singular, will gather in your grain and your harvest, and I'll give grass in your singular, singular field for your singular animals. Not, not like singular animals, but <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. Okay. This is very, very difficult to just rattle off in English because it doesn't work because we don't distinguish between you and you. So <laughs> I apologize. And you, yourself, will eat and you yourself will be satisfied. And then guard yourselves. There's the only place it works. Lest you, plural, let your hearts your plural hearts be swayed and go. Okay, so, so even when we're talking to the community, we seem to occasionally drop back, um, at least in two areas. We drop back and start talking as if we're talking to the individual again. Okay. Kol adam tzarech lekabel alav omal hoshamayim b'chol yom. Every person is obligated to accept upon himself the kingship of heaven each and every day. This is expressed as a desire to give up oneself completely. That's what we've discussed about Vilhavta. But now he adds a twist to what does that mean, that desire to give oneself up completely? That desire to be Moser Nefesh, to be prepared to give your life up, that's an expression of a desire to be subsumed back into your source which is a very different way of thinking about it. In other words, to the extent that a person desires to cleave to Hashem, where his neshama is at its source from God, this is embodied as a power and desire to be Moser Nefesh, because at death a person's soul is reunited with its source collected to him, so to speak. Which means this emotion, this feeling, this, this yearning for closeness to Hashem, under certain circumstances, such as worship of Odazara, kill a person who's at Salam Elohim, or engage in an immoral relationship, those will lead to Mesiris Nefesh, not to betrayal of that desire to be close to God. That will lead us to Mesiris Nefesh. On the other hand, and that is the first paragraph of Kriyashma. Now what about in the second paragraph of Kriyashma? It says, it says, you shall gather in your grain. And 
Chazal and Brachos learn from that statement, you shall gather in your grain. You should... Minhag Derech Eretz can mean a lot of different things, but basically it means you should engage with the world. You, you, <laughs> with the world, it does not mean, by the way, that you should go out and do business. It might. Minhag Derech Eretz, the way of the world, meaning you have to work to create support for yourself. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat bread. That's Minhag Derech Eretz. reminds us of the discussion where Chazal have said, many have done like Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai, velo alsa biyadon. Many have done like Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai, who said, no, no, just focus only on the learning and the rest will be taken care of. And it didn't work out for them. It's not appropriate as a public approach. It's not an instruction that can be given to the community as a whole and the whole world to be like Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. And therefore, when the Torah says, you shall serve God in the plural with all your hearts and all your souls, it doesn't say, and all your efforts. Right? Now we know, we've learned about that me'od. Me'od means very, so it means all your effort. Me'od means midah meaning how Hashem treats you through good and bad. You accept and you say, this is all from Hashem. And we learn that it also means all your money. Right? There are some, Rashi said there are some people who even treasure their money over their lives. Even these people, a person has to be prepared to give up their money for the sake of Hashem. You know, it, it's true, and we'll see, and I think in another week or two, the Kleyakar does make this point, like, yeah, but like that's the few. <laughs> that's not like... We wouldn't say that the majority of people value their money over their lives, even though there are people. But, but you could think about it in a different way, which is that it can be easier to make the one-time leap to give up your life for Hashem than it could be to make the day-to-day -day grind leap of giving up your parnasa for the sake of Hashem. That you're going to take a job cut, or you're going to quit and not know where you're going to go or that you're going to take off more from your miser every month, month after month. That can be harder. It doesn't, it's not, it doesn't require the same leap all at once, but it doesn't mean that we all have to be some kind of crazy misers in a story to realize that there's an element of this which could apply to us too. That it could be easier to give up your life to God than it is to give up your money. It could be, especially if you haven't realized that that's the framing. It's really easy for us to see things in different ways. And if we reframe it to realize that's what's going on, we go, whoa, whoops, <laughs> that's not where I meant to go. All right. Therefore, it doesn't say, Bechol me'odecha, or me'odchem, which means your money, lahafkir hakol, to be willing to say, it's all hefker. It's all, it's all for you. It's, uh, my life is yours. My heart is yours. My money is yours. Is it, you gave it to me to serve you. I love you. Whatever. If you want it, take it. The same way we say, if you want my life, take it. I'm... It's not just take it. I give it to you willingly. I was staying at a friend's house, and she had worked very hard and disciplined herself very hard 
on a particular diet because she believed it was better for her. And she had done this for a week, and it was Shabbos. And part of this diet was no, no wheat and no grains. And somehow they had, she had misunderstood and thought that on Shabbos she wasn't going to wash. She was going to have Kiddush and just have the amount she needed, and that would cover her to make a Suda. Not, not for all the time, but for a certain number of weeks that she was doing this. And then when her husband spoke to the Rav, he said, no, you really should have a kazayas of something that you could wash on. And it was really upsetting, and I could understand why. She worked so hard to get it right all week, and now she's going to, like, break the diet and mess it up. And it was very, very hard, and her, you know, to wrap her mind around it. And we were talking, and I said, you know, and she said, but why didn't we know this before? I could have at least tried to get oat, matzah, or, you know, it would have been this, or, or at least I could have done that, and, and it hadn't worked out. And then... She went out, and she went, maybe a neighbor who might have it, and they, they would have had it, but they just gave it away to somebody. And I said, look, it's clear that if you were going to be able to find that as like a fallback solution, then it would have worked out. There's enough opportunities here. So this was designed for you not to. So if this is how it's going to be, and, and it was hard. It was, she was like resenting it. She was going to do it because, well, God is more important, and she was right. But there was still the resentment there, right? Again, I have both. <laughs> and so I said, you know, it's an opportunity. I mean, because we're close. I wouldn't just go around saying this to somebody, you know? Like, like excuse me, you know? <laughs> but I said to her what I would say to myself, I hope, or at least hope to have a good enough friend next to me to remind me of it, which is, since this is Hashem's will, choose it. Since it is his will, Choose it also. You're gonna you you're gonna go with it anyway. She's she's gotten that far. It wasn't like she was battling whether she'll do it. At this point, it was like the Rob said so. So that's what she's gonna have to do. But she was still fighting it. I said, as long as you're doing it, choose it. She also said it. You know, there's also shalom bias issues regarding that. But but choose it. It was very good advice. A little bit that's what we're saying when we say Shema, right? And we say, We don't say we should commit suicide to be close to God. We don't say that. That's wrong. What we do say is, if you're going to, to take my life, I'm giving it to you. I'm choosing it. You are my king, but I'm choosing you. I have to love you, but I'm choosing to love you. Therefore, it doesn't say, it says to the individual, a person should be able to say, the money, it's yours. If you can take it away from me, I'm choosing to give it to you. But we don't say that to the community. We don't say that to the public. Because as a group, as a community, we're obligated to behave with Midas Derek Haaretz. Thank you. Right? We've been already told. Many tried to do like Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Many tried to do. It, as a public, rabim, and it doesn't succeed. We're commanded that we should do, according to Derek Eretz, as a group. And, and watch out for our money. We're, we're, we should take some responsibility to do our best to look out for our finances. It's still up to God. That's the truth. But we still tell, we don't tell people 
as a group that they should do that. This second parsha, the second paragraph section of Shema, is called Kabbalas Ol Mitzvos, accepting the yoke of mitzvos. The first paragraph was Kabbalas Ol Malchus Shemaim, the yoke of the kingdom of heaven. This is accepting the mitzvos. What does that mean, accepting the mitzvos? How is that different from accepting God's? I mean, because really when we accept God as our king, we're saying whatever is important to you is important to me. Your wish is my command, and your command is my wish. So what's the difference? Because with mitzvos, what we accept upon ourselves is God's commands, which may be summarized as le'avda u'l'shamra u'l'kvoa itim la'torah. Le'avda u'l'shamra, that's where... That's how Adam was placed into Gan Eden, to work it and to protect it, and to establish time to learn Torah. It should be part of our daily schedule. <laughs> Somebody came to, I think it was the Chazonish, and he was learning in yeshiva full-time, and he said, it's going to be Bein Azmanim. It'll be the intercession break. How many hours a day should I be learning during that break? Because it's the time off. You refresh and you come back. He said, you should learn like a balabas. Balabas meaning somebody who works for a living, but who also says, he said, well, how many hours is that? Well, he says, the Rambam says, a person should learn close, a person should sleep eight hours a day, work eight hours a day, and learn eight hours a day. (laughs) The person's like, eight hours a day, do I get eight hours in my full-time learning? (laughs) There's like two hours off for lunch and a nap, and there's a break in the middle, you know. Uh... (laughs) Okay, that's how a Balabas learns. Okay, so when we say, Lekvo Itim Latora, you know, I'm not like making any judgments, certainly not making any judgments. Uh, I don't even have that over me, you know, but like this idea, like setting aside time to learn Torah, you know, it's not just like maybe 20 minutes here or there. It has to be established and settled. Okay. The Hakok Fi Koacha Adam. It all depends on a person's strengths. Below Latseis. He shouldn't go past what he's able to do, and what is normative effort to, to have a parnasa in the world. A person should, should do, you know, he, should, he has to recognize what he's able to do, both in terms of effort and in terms of tolerance. And that should be in alignment with what is normal. But that is not the same as in the, that's Kabbalah's ol mitzvos. That is... We are commanded to live in the world and to guard it and to set aside time for Torah. That's derech eretz. That's for the group, for the community, for the individual. That, for the individual, we talk to the individual according to the first part of Shema. That's in the singular, in the singular. Or in other words, okay, it says, it's lashon yachid. Yachid is, you know, the singular in the grammar. But yachid means the individual. It can also mean the special one. Mm-hmm. Someone who is yachid, it's like miyuchad, special, mm-hmm. singled out. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's talking to the yachidim. It's talking to the individual. It's talking to every individual, but it's also talking to the individuals of the community. There are certain single ones. Asher Hashem Kore, that Hashem calls them as he did Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, and says to them, Bechol Meodecha, with all your money, all your effort, 
all your effort should go into Ol Malchus Shamayim and Ol Torah. All of it. Not, not, don't put anything into Derech Eretz. Put it all into Torah. As it says in Erevin. Okay. A Torah, a person has to be like able to kill himself over Torah to be able to really fully grasp it. Every individual then requires also the first part of Shema. Because the beginning of his daily acceptance of Hashem as king should be that he's willing, just like we say, Hashem, if what you want of me is my soul, then I choose to give it to you. I am prepared to do it. it Hashem, if it is your rut zone that I should give all of my effort and all of my money to be able to serve you, then I am choosing and willing to do it. Do you see? It's the same. So each of us has to be prepared to do it. Now, not everybody is called upon to sacrifice their lives for God, Baruch Hashem. But we all should in our minds be able to do that. That's what we work towards. It's difficult and it's scary but we have to work on it. You know, it's one of those things that becomes less scary once you can face it head on. Saying Shema forces us really to face that and facing it makes it less scary because then we, we, what we want to do is come to where we can choose it. Once we can choose it, it doesn't have the same power to scare us anymore. And the same thing with the Vichomel Decha. We have to face it head on and be able to say, if this will be the will of God to be so, then I would choose it. If you call me to that. And this is why the Gemara says, many have done like Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, but it didn't, lo al it didn't come up to their hand. Not, just, not they didn't succeed. It never came up for them. It never, it never entered their hands. It was never their opportunity. Many did like Rabbi Akiva and were never called upon to sacrifice their life, right? He said, all of my days, I wondered, would I be ready and able to serve Hashem with love if he had to take my life? And I see I did, and he smiled. Mm -hmm. Many have done like him, but it doesn't mean that they were called upon to actually do it and go through with it. Many have done like Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, but it didn't come up to them. That wasn't God's will. So we all are called upon as individuals to reach toward it, but we are not commanded it as a community because we don't demand in action that people actually strive for that. What we do is demand that in the thought we strive for that perfection. This is, brings us again to this machshava versus maisa. This is kabbalas omalchus shamayim versus kabbalas mitzvos. This is why even those yechidim, even those special individuals who are called to this, also have to say the second paragraph. Okay, so now we've explained why everybody has to say the first one. But why should the people who are then called to this be, be saying the second part of Shema? About plowing and harvesting, and where does that have to do with them? Okay, because they have to be prepared for that too. 
Look what happened to Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. He spent 12 years in a cave, and when he came out, God said, go back. Because if it's my will that you come out, you have to be able to live out here. You can't live the way you are holding right now, except in a cave. Rak b'me'ara. Outside in the world, you're destroying it. You're setting fire to everything. Lightning bolts shooting out of your eyeballs and knocking people down because they're carrying their wheat instead of learning, right? Like, okay. HaKadosh Baruch Hu desires the settlement of the world. He did not create it to be empty and fallow. I'm going to stop here because it's end of our time. Okay. And I'll continue with Tzidka uh, Satadik. That's the end of that idea. It's a good place to stop and we can go forward. And I think it leaves us with something pretty tangible to think about in Shema, which is perhaps not in this paragraph as much, but certainly in the first paragraph, a new, a new avoda in Bechol Ve'odecha that we can work on. to think about on the Yeah, it definitely ties in with Lagba Omer, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, Rabbi Akiva, 100%. 100%. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thank you.